Hi guys, it's Luke here. Uh, we are starting a new preaching series on Sunday and it's called Meet the Family. And what we're doing is using a genealogy of Jesus that Matthew starts his gospel with. And you can read it in uh, Matthew 1 verses 1 to 17 if you want. But the chances are you probably won't want to read it because it's a list of names. And usually in the Bible, when we find a long list of names, uh, we skip it. Um, or we read it, I try and read it, reading the names carefully, thinking that I'm still doing the right thing, but not usually getting anything out of it. Not really would, would we say, oh, I'm really hearing God speak to me uh, through this genealogy. Uh, and that's understandable, but it's also a shame. And so what I wanted to do is uh, just take the opportunity to explain a bit of uh, what a genealogy is and um, why we have them in the Bible. I guess it's a bit of a funny uh, gear change. Uh, for the last three weeks, we've been looking at Romans 8 and uh I'm sure if you've been around, you'll have heard it and you'll have um, read some of the words for yourself and thought, this is amazing. This is so true. This is wonderful. Uh, it's, you know, some of the most stunning words ever written, the kind of things that we would memorize, that we'd put on fridge magnets or social media posts or share with other people. Uh, no one does that with a genealogy um, because uh, we don't understand really what they are, do we? And uh, they're very long and they've got lots of names. So why would you? Well, that's true. And I'm not saying that all of the Bible is equally exciting, but actually all of the Bible is equally God's word. And um, all of God's word is meant to do us good. And uh, so I just thought I'd explain a bit of how genealogies can do that. And there's at least four things that they can do. Um, the first of them is this. Uh, they remind us that what we read in the Bible actually happened. Um, it isn't a book of myths or fairy stories. Uh, it's a book of events. Obviously, there are other things in it as well as history, but the one of the points of a genealogy is to say these people really lived and the things that they experienced really happened. And so they remind us that God is real and that he's the author uh, of all history. The second thing that they remind us of is that God really does care for every person. Uh, most of the names that are listed in Bible genealogies are people that we know nothing about except their name. Um, and it can seem even strange that they made it to the Bible. Like, who even is this person? Uh, we don't know. But God knows everything about them. God knew their name and he knew where they lived and he knew the number of hairs on their head and he knew uh, all of their thoughts. Uh, he knows everything. He knows everything about each of those people listed. And of course, he actually knows everything about all of us. Uh, we humans have a really deep need to be known and uh, we were made to be known. We were made to be known by God. And genealogies are one of the places where we can, all of us, find that need uh, being met. Uh, most people will never know about you, uh, even if you were to become, you know, the most famous person um, in the land. Uh, the chances of uh, people knowing you in a thousand years are pretty slim. Well, God knows all about you. He knows everything about you and he cares deeply about you. Uh, you are on his list, uh, whoever you are. And genealogies remind us of that. Third thing they do is that they are proof of identity. They, they tell us who people are. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched the TV show that explores family, family trees and ancestry. And uh, it's, it's kind of seeing, oh, who are these people's ancestors? That kind of stuff. And when the producers were thinking what to call it, they called it, who do you think you are? Because uh, for many people, who they are... Uh, is made up of where they've come from. And we know that kind of scientifically with genetics, but it can also be true uh, in all sorts of other ways as well. Now, we live in a time when everyone wants to self-define and people say, oh, my past doesn't define me and certainly my parents can't define me or anything else like that. And some of that's all right. Um, but, you know, 
these are still our roots and they, they, they do still have an effect on us. Obviously, heritage uh, might get a little weaker over time, and so uh, past claims might not be that impressive. So it turns out, I didn't realise this at the time, but I actually married into royalty. Uh, my wife, Deb, uh, her family have an old document, uh, which is called a pedigree. And I honestly don't know how trustworthy it is, but it, you know it's there. It's called a pedigree, and it chase, traces their ancestry back to the Emperor Charlemagne, who was the most powerful ruler in Europe in the 8th century, um, which is great. But it doesn't make any difference to uh, Deb's life or, or mine, um, you know, and nor should it really. Um, I guess more recently, but no more evident, um, is my, uh, my Scottish connection. Uh, I appreciate my accent doesn't suggest this, and nor does my name, uh, but one of my great-grandfathers came from Dundee. Uh, and if I ever get round to getting a tartan, I, uh, getting a kilt, it would be his kind of tartan, whatever that is, uh, that I would choose. Now, neither of these claims really matter. Um, but actually, Jesus's earthly ancestry mattered a great deal. God had promised that he would rescue the world through Abraham's family, that's the Jews, and through the line of King David of the tribe of Judah in particular. And so Matthew, who's writing for primarily a Jewish audience, he has to start his account of Jesus by establishing Jesus's credentials to be God's anointed rescuer, the Christ. And so that's that's literally what he does. He says this is about um, Jesus Christ, and he says he's uh, he's the son of Abraham and he's the son of David. And this really does uh, matter uh, for for Matthew's original readers and, and even for Jewish people now. I was talking with a friend about this a while ago, and uh, they said how uh, they had some friends who were wanting to. Uh, share the gospel with a Jewish friend of theirs. And so this was where they started. They started with Matthew's genealogy to say, look, Jesus really is uh, claiming to be the promised Messiah and, and, and his identity, his heritage going through the line of David and Abraham is a key part of establishing that. So that's something else that uh, Matthew's genealogy does. And uh, final reason um, is that they, they do actually allow the author to talk to us. Um, the author talks to us in the three ways I've already mentioned, uh, but also um, through how they arrange their list, uh, through who they include, who they leave out. All of these kind of things are opportunities for Matthew to speak to us. Now, most of us reading uh, his genealogy are likely to miss a lot of this unless we've got expert help. So a couple of months ago, I went to the cinema. Uh, I went to watch uh, the uh, superhero movie Avengers Endgame. And that film was the conclusion of a sequence that involved 22 other films. It's called uh, part of something called the Marvel Comic Universe. And in some way or other, all those previous 21 films, some very strongly and some very loosely, were all kind of feeding in uh, to this final film. Um, now, I'd seen about half of those other films. And uh, so often I would see something happen on the screen and then people around me would laugh or gasp or get very emotional or smile nodding, uh, you know, smile knowingly. And I just wouldn't have a clue what was going on um, because I didn't get the references that were being made. Well, I mean, you may not want to do this, you probably won't want to do this, but you can go onto YouTube and you can watch really long videos that explain how the film's writers incorporated storylines and references and in-jokes into that film uh, from all the others. And a genealogy, uh, particularly a genealogy written to Jewish readers, and that that is Matthew's gospel, that does those kind of things. Um, and you might feel, um, oh, funny, I'd seen those other films. This would make more sense to me. And that's what's going on. 
So here are some of the things that Matthew is doing and some of the things he wants us to notice and that we need some help noticing. So firstly, Matthew chooses the royal line of succession from King David to emphasise Jesus's authority. Uh, you may sometimes hear people say, oh, one of the contradictions in the Bible is that there are two genealogies of Jesus, one in Matthew's gospel, one in Luke's gospel, and they have loads of different people in them. Why is that? Well, I think the best explanation for that is that Matthew wanted to emphasise Jesus's authority. And so he he goes through the line of um, royal succession. So after David, he mentions Solomon because Solomon was king after David and so on and so forth. Um, down it goes. Whereas Luke wants to emphasise Jesus's humanity. And so uh, he doesn't say who was the next king for his list. Uh, he says who was the physical son through whom um uh, Jesus' family line came. And so he, I think, uh, says uh, it's uh, David's son, Nathan, um, uh, that the biological uh, line goes. So Matthew's choosing right from the start to say Jesus is royalty. And you should notice that, guys. Um, so hopefully that helps us do that. Other things that he does, uh, he arranges his list into three groups of 14 and then he tells us that he's done that just in case we hadn't noticed. So he really is trying to draw our attention to that and um, we're then like, okay, well, why have you done that? What's so special about 14? Well, one theory is that Matthew is playing a Jewish word game uh, that's called gematria. And the way it worked was that every letter of the Jewish alphabet was given a numerical value and you could use this to create codes or make references. Um, and the way this works, uh, people think, in this situation, is that um, David's name in Hebrew is spelt D-V-D. Uh, the vowel sounds don't count. Um, and uh, the the scores for those letters in Gematria are four and six and four. And if you've got basic maths, you'll work out that that comes out to, yes, 14. So one of the things that maybe Matthew is doing by saying, hey, 14, you guys, is saying, hey, this is this is the king. This is the king from the line of David. Um, that may seem a little tenuous, and I'm not 100% sold on it myself. But actually, when you read Matthew's gospel, you'll find that he talks about the kingdom a lot. In fact, the first thing he records Jesus uh, as preaching in Matthew 4, verse 17, Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that theme continues all the way through Matthew's gospel. And so the genealogy is telling us that Jesus is a king, uh, but not just any king. He's the promised ruler. He's the only one who is greater than David. Uh, one of the other things, and I think this is possibly even uh, less uh, convincing, but we'll go with it anyway. Is uh, So Matthew says, hey, there are three sets of 14. Um, that same total is uh, six sets of seven. So three times 14 equals um, six times seven. And seven is an important number um, in, in the Bible and uh, in Judaism. And one of the reasons for that is that the seventh is the Sabbath. It's the day of rest. And so what's happening here, if you have six times seven, is that we're about to start the seventh, seven, like a Sabbath of Sabbaths. Um, and so that may be something else that Matthew's trying to draw our attention uh, to. Um how he starts his genealogy is also significant. He says the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. That's literally the first thing he, he writes. What's so special about that? Well, it's exactly the same phrase that's used in uh, the Greek Old Testament. It's known as the Septuagint. It's used in Genesis to start an account of creation and the beginning of humanity. 
So Genesis 5, verse 1, that says, this is the book of the generations of Adam. And then it goes on with the first of these uh, genealogies. And so by using that phrase, Matthew is telling us that this is a new beginning. Something new has begun. We're meant to, we're meant to notice that and get um, excited about it. Uh, there are also some surprising inclusions here. Um, so a genealogy only required fathers, but Matthew includes five mothers. Uh, it was supposed to be a list of Jewish people, but he includes several foreigners in it. Uh, the people who are listed have a very mixed reputation. Um, and Matthew does, um, he includes some people and he removes some other people uh, from the line. It's not meant to be a, a full list. Uh, and so he, he keeps some very surprising people. There are liars, there are adulterers, there are murderers. Uh, there's like the worst king uh, that was in the kingdom ever. He, like, was, he sacrificed his children, things like that. Matthew keeps him in. You think, wow, okay, what's going on? Well, probably several things. One thing that's going on is that he is not, there's no whitewashing going on here. There's no spin uh, here. Matthew is not hiding away uh, from these, uh, you know, dodgy characters, evil characters in some cases. He's telling us that God's kingdom is full of people who might surprise you. It's not about all those who have got it all together and are really good and well behaved. It's about God's choice. And God doesn't choose people based on their good behavior. Um, this is great news uh, for all of us who have made a mess of our lives because God's radical mercy invites the unlikely in. And so Matthew's saying, look, these people got in and you know what? You could too. Uh, one of the other things uh, he might be doing, uh, I, I read somewhere, someone mentions that he, he misspells a couple of the names. Uh, there's a king called, I think, Ammon and Matthew writes Amos and there's a king called Asa and Matthew writes Asaph. And um, you think, well, why on earth would he change those things? Well, Amos uh, is the name of one of the prophets in the Old Testament. And Asaph is uh, one of the other psalm writers. So obviously David's the main psalm writer, but um, uh, many of the psalms also are written by a guy called Asaph. And so the theory is that Matthew's just sneaked those names in. He knows exactly that he's doing that. that that's not a mistake. But he's, it's like he snuck those names in almost to say to us, look, all the prophets and all the wisdom literature as well, as well as all the history of the Jewish people, all the Old Testament is pointing towards Jesus. He's the, he's the fulfillment of everything that we've read and everything that's happened uh, so far. And uh, he does this in another way as well, um, because by including all these kings who failed and who died, uh, Matthew is stirring up a yearning in his, reading, in his readers for the promised perfect king who would reign righteously forever and ever. Even David, the best king, made a load of mistakes and certainly David died. Uh, Jesus never makes a mistake and Jesus, though he did die, has risen to eternal life and now reigns uh, forever and ever and he is the king of a kingdom that will never end. So all of those things are going on and probably a whole bunch more that I didn't find uh, in my study on this. Uh, but those are some of the reasons uh, that genealogies can be really interesting and, uh, and that in some of the ways in which God can speak to us uh, through them. Got one other thing to say about genealogies, and it's this, that the ones in Matthew and Luke are the last in the Bible. Uh, there are several, in the, many in the Old Testament, and you'll know that if you've done Old Testament Bible reading, you sometimes get a bit stuck with them. But after these in Matthew and Luke, we never read of genealogies again. Why is that? Well, the simple answer is because the family of God is no longer about birth and bloodline. It's about new birth. It's about being born again. And it's about Jesus's blood. And uh, Galatians 3 verse 7, Paul says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. 
And so that's uh, you and me, almost certainly if you're a Christian and you're listening to this, uh, you uh, don't have Jewish heritage, uh, but you have been brought in uh, to this great kingdom because uh, that's what God is about. That's what Jesus came to do. And uh, so, so yeah, that's the good news. That's some of the things that's going on with, uh, with genealogies. And uh, we are going to look at a number of the people mentioned in this genealogy of Matthew uh, over the weeks of the summer. Uh, some of them will be uh, known to you, some of them probably won't be, and uh, some of them live inspiring, exciting lives that you might want to imitate, and some of them really, really don't. And uh, the story we're looking at uh, this Sunday as we start our series uh, is Genesis 38, the story of uh, Tamar and Judah. It's an awful mess of a story, to be honest. Um, You might even be shocked that it's in the Bible, Um, but it's there and it's real. And um, there's things that God wants to say to us through that. So I hope you're able to join us on Sunday um, or able to catch up with it online at some point. Um, Yeah, that's an introduction to genealogies.